Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Oh yes, this is a show all about helping you deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do just that today, I'm chatting with Phil Byrne from Positive Spot. Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Excuse Matt Edmondson. Me. Oh yes. <laughs> This is a show Uh, all about helping you deliver e-commerce. Wow. And to help us do just that today, I'm chatting with Phil Byrne from Positive. Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Oh, yes. This is a show all about helping you deliver e-commerce. Okay, <laughs> now, if you are watching the live stream, warm welcome to you. We actually massively screwed up the start to that. I say we, it was more me. So uh, I'm going to re-record the start of that podcast uh, and we will see where we go. So here we go again. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Uh, we'll get it right this time. Take two. Take two. Here we go. This is why I don't live stream <laughs> to the wider world. Here we go. Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Uh, The e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce well. And to help us do just that, today I'm chatting with Phil Byrne from Positive Sparks about tips from the playbook of a PPC expert. Oh yes, we're gonna pick his brains all about PPC and Google and all those kind of things. So we're gonna get into it. But before we do, let me remind you, uh, dear awesome listener, if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter on the website at ecommercepodcast.net. All we do with that, by the way, is we just send you the show notes and links straight to your inbox. No spam, no messing, no nothing. It's pretty straightforward stuff, so you wanna sign up for that. Stay on top of everything that's going on. Uh, And let me give a big shout out also to the e-commerce cohort. You can find out more about them at ecommercecohort.com. This is our monthly membership group. And inside the group, we have workshops delivered by experts about all kinds of weird and wonderful topics. Uh, we've just done one around, um, what, are we, what have we got coming up? Optimization, OptiMonk. Yes, we've got OptiMonk doing some stuff on optimization uh, in the cohort. So do come sign up for that. Check out more information at ecommercecohort.com. Because besides getting access to the expert monthly workshops and all that sort of stuff, you also get access to watch these recordings, the podcast recordings of e-commerce podcast live. You get to ask the guests your questions if you do so. Uh, and if you are watching this episode live, I know a couple of you are, do apologize for the mess up at the start again. <laughs> if you're just listening to this, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about, but I did severely mess up the start, but that's okay. We're back on track. Uh, more information about Cohort can be found, like I said, at ecommercecohort.com or just follow the links from ecommercepodcast.net. Be great to see you in there. Now, before I get into today's conversation, let me give a bit of a shout out and a mention to Alan Gormley, who has been on the show. And Alan is an absolute legend. Uh, And the reason I want to do that, Alan from shopbox.ai, 
he introduced us. Uh, he introduced me to Phil, who is, who has, well, who is and has been diving into the digital realm since 1999. Uh, with a melody in his step, he pioneered one of the world's unique commission-based PPC agencies in 2008. This vintage digital aficionado has collaborated with top-notch entrepreneurs and propelled numerous projects to the skies. He is a treasure trove of secrets and tales, and uh, we're going to get into all of them. Yes, we are. Phil, great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us. How are we doing today, good sir? Hi, Mark. It's great to be here. Feeling good. Hope you are too. <laughs> Looking forward to the chat. Yeah, yeah, feeling good. Uh, now we're actually got the conversation underway, and we we uh, we've, we've moved past the blip. Um, but yeah, it's good. Whereabouts in the world are you? So I'm based in Cornwall. Mm -hmm. uh, three of the team in Cornwall, including myself. So every day, pretty nice life. I get up, look at the sea, <laughs> and then come back and do some paper click or help the team do their paper click as it yeah. is these yeah. days. Whereabouts in Cornwall are you? So I live in a village called St. Agnes. Mm. The, the company main office is in Truro, which is about yeah. six miles away. Yeah. But I spend most of my time working from home, walking down to the sea, mixing my kids, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the digital life that we have. Yeah, no doubt. You don't sound like you're from Cornwall, though. I'm not being funny. No, no. So originally, I come from a small Cumbrian village near Carlisle. Yeah. So the it's really a town, it's not a village, it's called Maryport. So yep. if ever you run that way, yep. you know, take a visit. It's it's a place that doesn't get the same amount of traffic as Keswick and Windermere yep. and all the more famous places around my hometown. Maryport. I can't say, as I've, I've, been, I've obviously done Windermere, I've done Keswick, I've done the lakes many yep. times, it's an hour and a half away from me. Um, but is, So Maryport's a, a place worth looking at? It's well, it's, it's a lot different to St Agnes. You know, it's a town that needs some kind of look, I guess, to happen yeah. to it. Yeah. But it's a beautiful view of Scotland. It's okay. a beautiful thing. Go down to the seafront. Mm -hmm. You're looking right across the water at a, a what is Dumfriesia. Okay. I guess Dumfries and Galloway. Yeah. Well, that, that's worth seeing, Matt. Yeah. And the fish chips are good, too. Okay. I'll recommend them. <laughs> good. Like, it all, it's funny, isn't it? English tourism. What's it based around? Is there a good but, pub or a chippy? We just want to know. <laughs> that's it. Got those things covered, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> wow, absolutely. It's good to talk to a fellow Brit, so welcome to the show. Uh, and um, uh, it's, uh, interestingly, I just finished recording a podcast about an hour ago for another show we do called Push To Be More with a lady from Cornwall. She was from Essex originally. She now lives in Newquay. And she just said, you know what, I'm coming to Newquay twice a year because we love it over here so much. I'm just moving. And <laughs> so they just moved over about five years ago and have never looked back since, really. Is that what happened to you? Well, we came nine years ago now. Mm. So we've been here a little while. And we're actually living abroad at the time. We're living in Ireland mm. before we came to Cornwall. And my, my wife is American. So okay. we spent a long time trying different places. Yeah. So when you're an international family, there's no perfect place to live. That's true. So you, you know, the world opens up to you. Yeah. And we, we tried different countries, and then we just wanted to come back to the UK. Some of that was career opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we, we chose Cornwall because we'd heard it was the sunniest. Yeah. <laughs> it was the warmest. Some days, that is true, Matt. I wouldn't say it's the truth overall, but it's yeah. a beautiful place to live. We've had kids here now. So Fantastic. that's that's more tiders. 
to call yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. They, um, the, the sort of the borders opening up to international families and, and actually mm. also being in digital now, you can pretty much do your job anywhere oh. from the world, right? That's right. Well, well, Jessica, my wife and I, we started remote working. It didn't have that name back then. Yeah. But we started that back in 2011. So it was quite a long time ago. And it was her PhD that made it happen originally. So she did a PhD in, in the music of the tango. So we went to Buenos Aires. Oh, wow. We had some time there. Wow. You know, that started the whole yeah. thing off. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I mean, to do a PhD in the music of the tango, I think it, it, it is, is quite... I'm a doctor. What are you a doctor in? Yeah. <laughs> music of the tango. <laughs> so Whereas that... what actually happens for her is everyone thinks she's a medical doctor. Yeah. And they ask her advice, you know, my yeah. leg's hurting. Yeah. I'm not feeling good. And she has to explain. <laughs> Just go do the tango and everything will be all right, you know. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely. So does that mean you're very, very good at the tango? Do, do you know, we tried the dance and neither of us were that good at it and probably even worse altogether because you have to. The one thing I learned from the tango is all of your relationship things come out in that dance mark. <laughs> so if you have an argument that day, it's not going to go well. <laughs> wow, okay, fair play. Uh, fair play to you. So how did you get involved in PPC then? So a long time ago, as you said, I've been online for a long time. So, so I've always been into music, as mm. I can see you are with your drums behind you. And I wish else. I could claim credit for those. They belong to my son. Who has, okay. uh, yeah, it just makes yeah. a really cool backdrop. But the drums that you see belong to my son, who's who's buggered off to university now. So Sharon, my wife, is like, right, I'm converting his room into a guest room. And so yeah. she moved the drum kit and was able to just put them in the, in the, in the studio because it just make a great backdrop. And if he ever wants to play them, it's away from the house. So uh, I wish I, I, I don't play the drums, Phil, but I, I, I do play the guitar and keyboard. So, you know. Well, there's that musical heritage. So you do have music in the family. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Wailing, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> Still there. <laughs> so it all began for me back in the late 90s. Mm. Uh, I just left university. Uh, I'd been involved with bands at university. And I ended up helping the other university in Leeds, which was called Leeds Polytechnic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember those days. Remember those days? Yeah, yeah. To, put on their bands and do different things. So from there, we began to promote the events with very early websites. So, you know, Netscape Composer was the first thing. Oh, jeez, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then I started to do websites for bands, and that grew into promotion. So SEO was the first thing that I really discovered as a, a marketing channel. And then that moved into my own affiliate sites, doing websites for other companies in and around Leeds and beyond. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly pay-per-click arrived. And then a few years after that, don't you remember the, the first big SEO change was, was Panda, Google Panda, which yeah. came through, changed a lot of the rankings for sites. So pay-per-click was about 20% of my life until that happened. Mm. At the time, I had all these hotel comparison sites, which were really affiliate sites. Uh, using different SEO techniques to be ranking high for hotels in whatever town. Yeah. And that was my main source of income at the time. And then okay. Panda hit, and overnight, 
that income went down by 90%. Wow. So after getting over the shock of that, I also realized at the same time, what Google had done was Panda was a big story, but Google Ads had gone through quite a transformation around about the same moment. Wow. And it offered these new opportunities. So that's, that's what really took me into pay-per-click. And then the, the client side of my life was beginning to grow at the same time. So those opportunities, I would look out for them too. Uh, you know, I was, I was still living in Leeds. It was, it was before we really left that all the pay-per-click world began. And Leeds had a Google office. So I could meet up with my rep. It was a lot different then. You know, your rep wanted the, the contact from you. Whereas these days, it's so hard yeah. to talk to Google support at all. And it all grew from there. And then as for me, as SEO changed and became perhaps less powerful, pay-per-click became more powerful. That's so really fascinating. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here we are. It's, it's fascinating listening to your journey because <clears throat> I started in websites in 98. Um, first website ever built uh, was for a friend. Um, his church wanted a website, and he came to me and he said, Matt, I've, do you know anybody that builds websites? And there's some friends of mine do them, but they're thousands of pounds because, you know, no one had a clue back then. I said, but if you, if you won't, I know there's some software out there. Buy the software for me. I'll figure it out because um, I was busy selling saunas and steam rooms at the time. And um, I, I, as you do, I just said, I, I just saw an opportunity. And I was like, I'll do it. Just buy the software. And he bought, do you remember Dreamweaver? I used to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dreamweaver and uh, one of the very first versions of Dreamweaver. And um, what was the what was the graphics one? Was it Fireworks? Was that what it was called? Fireworks, that's right. Yeah, the yeah. same company. Wasn't it Macromedia? Yeah, Macromedia before they were bought out by Adobe, and they, right. um, and so they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they and I, but I, I did this website for them, and I did a website for Sharon and I, who were just about to get married. So this was twenty five years ago. So we, we we did these websites back then. So I'm just listening to your journey. I'm just remembering all of this, going, you know, jeez, man. So yeah, going back to the old days. <laughs> <laughs> the old polytechnic <laughs> days as well. Uh, so trip down memory lane. So here we are, uh, Phil, all these years later. You're still involved in PPC. Um, yep. You didn't obviously get totally wiped out when your hotel websites uh, no. disappeared. Um, and so you've obviously learned a thing or two about PPC over the years. What are some of the big sort of changes that you've noticed that, that maybe are for the good or maybe not, not for the good? Well, it's definitely a mix of both. So... You know, one of the big changes originally was the, the, the rise of more ads. Mm. So every platform, whether it's Google, Meta, yeah. TikTok now, they're all going to generate their income from ads. Yeah. So what really happens to the platform is ads begin to dominate the space. Yeah. Now, is that a good or a bad thing? Well, it creates opportunity for e-com brands who want to promote their products. But at the same time, it... I think it does always take a little bit of the soul yeah. of what the platform is. And it's, it's how successful the platform is going forward is how they balance yeah. that mix of income yeah. versus... Um, I think Google Shopping has been a massive, massive change for e-com brands. Yes, it has, yeah. So the fact that shopping came into being um, off, allowed us the opportunity to, to promote products in a very different way with an image yeah. and offer price. At the same time, the Google shopping feeds are a whole opportunity in themselves. 
really they they have a lot of similarity with seo in our yeah. ability to manipulate which products are shown and which yeah. ones we want to put less attention on uh i think that's changed things dramatically youtube yeah beginning to launch their ads you know that is really a, a big part of how google google is growing now certainly through performance max and all the smart campaigns which mix yeah. all of the different platforms that they they own youtube is just such a rising force it's, it's perhaps the part of google which has the most opportunity yeah whereas search is so congested now yeah shopping the same it's, it's a bit tougher to find your gap then of course social media Mark, when you and i began there was no social media that's right and true. now we have a world that's pretty much driven by social media yeah we and do. there's something about to that as well isn't there but in terms of pay-per-click all of those platforms meta especially has opened up new yeah. ways of reaching people that should potentially adore what you create and, and promote. Uh, so those things, have, I think every year we can say that some new opportunity has come. Yeah. I don't see that changing for a yeah. while. Yeah, no, it's very true. So much there. Phil, do me a favor. For those watching on video, just step slightly to your right so you're a bit more central. There we there go. We there we go. <laughs> Uh, we were starting I'm to lose you. Mean. People just thought I was talking to a white wall for a little minute there. Um, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, fascinating you're talking about YouTube. And the reason why I, I picked this up straight away is we had on the show a few months ago a chap called Brett Curry. Um, mm. uh, and Brett Curry hosts um, an e commerce podcast. OMG Commerce is his company. Um, and He's an absolute legend, Brett. He, I, I met him in Austin. Uh, we had some food together. We caught up, stayed in touch. Really nice guy, tall guy. He's got eight kids, eight wow. kids. Yeah, that was my response as well. I was like, dude, have you figured out what's causing this yet? Do you need... <laughs> but he's, he's awesome. Him and his wife, totally in love. Love having a big family and, and just an absolute legend of a chap. But he was saying... Um, like you that youtube ads for him are the big opportunity of of the moment in a lot of ways if you can get them right um is that is that what your is that what you found as well have you done much with youtube ads well for the right brands it's a great channel mm. so it, it has to be a visual brand yeah one thing i think meta and youtube have in common is they are great places to promote the positive things in life so travel, some product which is going to make you look better, feel yeah. better. Those are fantastic for video-fronted ads. Things which are a bit more stuff we don't want to think about, health insurance, yeah. remedies to things which are not great. It's tougher for yeah. those kinds of products. But certainly YouTube, because it keeps growing so much, mm. and people are drawn there for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. It just has such a, a huge audience. So if you can find that way to place your ads on the right channels, on the right videos, yeah. that have already the audience that you seek to reach, it's a, it's a good channel. YouTube recently brought out their own version of lead ads. Yeah. And I think that's what I would say it really offers the, a massive opportunity to generate subscribers, whether that's email, SMS. And then it's all down to the rest of your funnel as to how great those ads are going to work out for you. Yeah. And, you know, that that's where we see the opportunity most of the time. Yeah. 
That's interesting. You talk about the sort of the positive life brands um, mm. doing well with those kind of places. Uh, I and, and it's interesting you use that phraseology because I'd not thought about it like that. And actually, you kind of go, "Well, that makes a lot of sense." Yes. Why would you, why would I try and sell life insurance? Um, I'm, I'm dare say some companies do and do it successfully if they find the right audience that they're trying to target. Um, is YouTube? I mean, rephrase it. Are YouTube ads tied into the Google Ads platform, or is it a separate, distinct platform? So it's all part of Google Ads, mm. part of their network. So if you run a performance max campaign, which is the newest type, yeah, of Google campaign, then they will automatically run your ads across everything. So you've got search, you've got the display network, which is when your ads appear on a third-party site, yeah. And you have YouTube. So even if you have no video content, mm. your ads can appear within YouTube search results as a normal text ad. And all of those things will happen for you. Uh, and, you know, Google is pushing us all mm. into using everything on their network. And some of that is because on the positive side, it just increased the opportunity. At the same time, we're going to spend more from yeah. their point of view. Yeah. So, so, you know, watching what happens and keeping an eye on which YouTube channels your ads appear on, assessing whether they're right or wrong, is all part of optimizing your spend there as yeah. much as you can. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I, it's interesting to me how big YouTube now... I mean, for the longest time we've been saying... I say the longest time, I'm, I'm trying to think in my head. For the last five or six years, I know I've been saying to people, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world, and you can't you can't ignore it, right? Yeah. Um, brands can't ignore YouTube. You've got to be on YouTube in some form or another um, because it is so massive. But, I, I mean, going back, you know, Polytechnic days and all that sort of stuff, do you remember that announcement that Google bought YouTube for a billion dollars and we were all utterly flummoxed by why they would do that? Are we look back now? And it was a fantastic move. <laughs> one of the best business moves you've seen for a long time. And it, it flummoxed everybody because I just didn't, no one saw it coming. A billion dollars for that. Are you mad? But look at what it's turned into and the money that it generates is unbelievable. Absolutely. And this is you and I, Matt, sounding like old men. <laughs> look, a billion dollars in today's world is not that big yeah, anymore. It, it's true. It was, it, it was back then, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if I'd ever heard of a billion dollar company buyout before that. I, sure I, don't that, think, I, I think there must have been one, but it was, it was so new and it was so surprising. Um, mm. And yet here we are all just going, whoever made that decision is an utter genius, you know, and, and, and then everyone's going, how did Google have a billion dollars just to spend on a company like that? And not even, where did it get that money? And you just think, well, Google in itself is a pretty genius uh, money-making machine, isn't it? So hats off right. to them. Uh, you love more, hate them. They've done an amazing job. So tell us a bit about, uh, you've mentioned uh, Google Max, um, Performance Max, um, a couple of times. For those that might not know, just explain what that is, because that's a fairly recent uh, it's, event, isn't it? It is. It is. So Performance Max is a new type of campaign which Google is continuing to grow, uh, the options within this type of campaign. Mm -hmm. It's what we'll call a Google Smart campaign. So mm -hmm. what we're doing is we're giving Google more license and freedom to spend our budget on our target market, keywords, audiences, as it sees fit. Yeah. Whereas what we used to do 
in pay-per-click is we would control every keyword that Google would approach. We might control every third-party website mm -hmm. if we're doing Google Display. And the same on YouTube, we would control every channel and video that the ad would appear on. In Pmax, it's different. We're allowing Google this ability to spend an hour and a half. The theory being that Google is able to track our potential customers better cross-network, understand from its own larger data set where our audience sits, mm. and in the end, give us more return at lowest cost per acquisition or lead, whatever we're seeking to do, and make our campaigns work better. Google also claims, I think it's correct on this, that it reaches more people. Yeah. Uh, and on all of these advantages allow people who can make performance max work. Yeah. It does allow them to scale to a higher level. Yeah. On Google Ads than before. If we cannot get performance max to work, and not everybody does, then we still have to be able to go in there and, and optimize and learn what did work and what didn't. And the downside to Performance Max is the data is much more hidden. So we're not able to go very granular okay. as we did before. There are ways to, to research a bit deeper, often using third-party tools, which help us dissect what happened on Performance Max. But it's really a trade-off between right. having less data to look at but having more opportunity yeah. in the end. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, before... Uh, what do you think personally performance max does it achieve what google set out to achieve or or not i think it has to a large extent you know we mm. found for a lot of our clients it's helped them grow mm. we do lots of shopping campaigns so where performance max has really brought success is when we've broken it down to promote the best selling products so, so one thing that works out in e-commerce mm. To dissect that a bit is the 80-20 rule. Yeah. So 80% of our income comes from 20% of the products, sometimes less. Yeah. So every campaign, whether it's performance max or standard, has a better chance of success if we focus on the 20%. That's how. That's where we're going to grow. So performance max, uh, I think, has helped most brands grow who do that. Yeah. If they try and use performance max to sell things that didn't sell. So well before, it's tough. Yeah, you know, pay -to click tends to scale what's happening already. Right. So if there's issues mm. with a product, with the business itself, it'll scale that. Mm -hmm. So we have to make business-focused decisions to make Pmax work. I think another difference is that Performance Max needs what we call signals. So a good signal is a segment of your audience which is exactly who you want to reach with that campaign. Mm. And that's different to keyword optimization that we traditionally did yeah. on Google Ads. So the better we are at segmenting out our audience and, and sending just the portion that has bought or added to cart or done something positive around the specific products in that campaign, that'll help us. Mm. make performance max perform better yeah if we give it everyone that's at the site then the signal is not strong yeah we kind of have to think of it in a different way yeah, yeah. too okay so would performance max i'm just thinking uh phil mm. for people that are maybe starting out in e-commerce and they you know they yeah. 
they've not got the budget necessarily to go get an agency involved. Um, mm. Working from their, you know, the, the back room, as it were, selling the products online. Would would Performance Max be worth looking at or not really? I think it's tougher. It's a bit yeah. of a brand new ad account. You're better off starting with, with standard shopping or standard search and then getting a few conversions and other signals in that ad account. Yeah. So the more conversions, the more data it has, the better you're going to expand into yeah. performance. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the best advice for yeah, yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, and then I guess to sort of spring it on from that, if I'm just starting out, at what point from your experience does it make sense for the, the startup to reach out to an agency and say, please help us with PPC now? What, what point on the trajectory should I, should I be thinking about that? I think when you've done at least three to six months worth of pay-per-click, sometimes more, yeah. since when you're seeing sales happen, People show interest in what you're selling, yeah. and you feel that you don't have the time as well. That's another factor. Mm -hmm. Run all of your ads yourself. I, I think if you are quite technically minded, you can learn how to run pay-per-click and you can do it. You should do it yourself mm. for as long as you can. I think a brand owner always understands their products better yeah. than any agency can. But when you start to see sales, your time begins to diminish. You feel like you can scale, but you're not able to with the techniques that you've used. Yeah, yeah. great time yeah. to go to an agency and get an agency involved. Yeah, no fair play. It was I. I remember the day that because um, we used to do PPC in house. Because when PPC first came out, it was the easiest thing in the world to do. So easy. It was. It was just, it was just ridiculous, really. Um, mm. In fact, we built an e-commerce brand just on the basis of the fact that PPC was really easy. It's like okay, let's just buy the ads for this because they're so cheap and we make so much, why would we not do this and to scale it out, right? Those days didn't last very long, Phil. Uh, <laughs> on, Wild West days. Yeah, <laughs> such is the shame, but you're like, oh, jeez. Um, but I, I remember our default, we just did them in-house and we were spending like 20, 30 grand a month on Google Ads and we were like, at some point we looked at it and went, we have got to be better off outsourcing this because people are now, they're experts and we've got enough budget and enough data to get the experts to tweak what we do because we just weren't doing it. We were so busy doing other things. And I remember uh, when we moved over um, to an agency, the difference it made was, was night and day. And we spent half as much but got four times the amount of sales. Um, and it was... And it wasn't because we didn't know what we were doing. We just were not experts in that field. And so when, like you say, budget and time allowed, it's like, I'm gonna step aside and let, let the experts loose. So even today, even in our e-commerce companies now, um, paid media is for me and is, is outsourced, is always a specialist thing that I get. I don't need to figure that out internally. You know, we Internally, we can do whatever, email marketing, or we can do um, you know, the website maintenance and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I just think you need the experts. Personally, it's my experience, you need the experts on, with, when it comes to PPC. Just mainly because it changes so quickly as well, you know. It does, it does. And I think what does happen, when you work with many clients, you begin to see the same problems, mm. but 
with different products, different brands, different countries. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're network issues. So sometimes the whole network has a problem mm. with a certain type of ad. And as an agency, you can act in the day to save all of your clients some spend yeah. if there's an issue. Or if we see that suddenly this month, pay-per-click is really cheap. January, for example, is a cheap month yeah. for pay-per-click. Then if we're selling, let's up the budget. Let's yeah. do something. Yeah. Now, all of that ability to react and to bring in the latest techniques and the latest changes. You know, we, we have a new type of Google campaign launching this month called Demand Gen. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really a reboot of their discovery ads, but um, it'll bring change and opportunity. Yeah. And just as you experienced with your, your own e-com brand, there's always that time, that kind of two, three months where something new that everybody catches on to until you have opportunity. Mm. And then six months down the line, everyone's talking about it, and that space mm. has gone. And because pay per click is an auction, really what we're doing is trying to find space. Yeah, we can control the cost per click, mm. or we can reach an audience that no one quite now is, or not enough people are reaching to push the auction up yeah. too high. That's really good. That's that's awesome because that's actually one of my questions. Was I mean, you know there were these sort of wild west days where you could just you know almost write your own check and part of me part of my question was well what's the next wild west because there's always going to be one you know and as e-commerce entrepreneurs we spend hours trying to figure out what it is is there something here that we can capitalize on so from a ppc point of view is that what you think is the next wild west demand gen It, it will be for a little while. You know, yeah. Google is so big and so many people are now very aware of something new that Google does. Yeah. Other places, other networks are also developing their own pay-per-click too. So TikTok, mm. a year ago, became the new Wild West. Yeah. More than a year ago. Yeah. The, the networks right now who are pushing new pay-per-click platforms through are Quora and Reddit. Okay. Both of those, if your brand is question informational related or you, you are a company who sells something relevant to something which is discussed often, both of those hold opportunity. Yeah. Pinterest is pushing very hard yeah. to take some of the audience away from Meta. So right now they have a, a pretty good offer where they'll do all your creative for free. And if you spend more than $2,000 in a month, They'll give you an extra fifty percent of that credited back. Oh, wow. So you know, this is a, it's a good time to test Pinterest if you feel it's relevant to you. Um, but then you know things like that, new platforms mean that you need a profile. Mm-hmm. You need to have an account that's updated yeah, yeah. enough to show presence. So they all create work, and so it all again, Mark, comes down to time. Mm. How much time do you have in yeah. your team in yourself? And which one's right for you? But there's, there's always an opportunity. The other one that I think, especially if you're targeting the American market, that has some interesting things going on is Microsoft. Okay. They've been buying so many other sites and you know they bought LinkedIn a yeah. couple of years ago. So they are the only place that you can reach people on LinkedIn via ads outside of LinkedIn. Yeah. If you're selling B2B, there's probably opportunity there too. But all of these networks constantly buy things, constantly bring new things out, and each one of them 
creates that opportunity for a little while. Mm. And then we have to find the next opportunity. I'm loving this. I, I especially I'm loving this because I we 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 jumped on Pinterest recently um, mm -hmm. because I, we've mentioned it on the show before. We just thought Pinterest was a really interesting platform um, for our brands right now, and that there is some great opportunity there. And so yeah, we've definitely been playing around on Pinterest and getting some good results so far. I think we probably should throw some more money at it um, uh, and scale it maybe a little bit quicker. Um, not thought about Quora or Reddit, so look, i got that in my notes. We'll be having conversations tomorrow with the team, Phil, no doubt. Um, <laughs> and then obviously Microsoft in the UK, uh, in the US, uh, is you're never going to get rid of Microsoft, are you? Uh, it's always going to be there, and so why would you not do that? Now, that's some fascinating information there. Phil, listen, one of the questions we've got in from Cohort. Um, if you were starting an e-commerce business today from scratch yourself, it's just you, um, and let's say, I'm just looking around my desk for anything that's interesting. Um, pens. Okay. You pick up a pen, right? So you, 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 you've got a passion for pens. The website, passionforpens.com. <laughs> By Phil. Phil's passion for pens. Um, <laughs> uh, but a product like a pen or something like that, and you were starting up, how would you, I guess, how would PPC be part of your strategy knowing what you know? So that if some, you know, obviously someone's starting up here, if they, if they, I guess they, they just want to piggyback what you would do a little bit, if that makes sense. So what, what would you do then? Definitely do Google Ads. Because okay. Google Ads is the place we reach a customer who's furthest down the line ready to buy. Yeah. So, we want to find the most relevant searches, so our type of pen plus color. Yeah. So it's very, very relevant. Shopping feed, get Google Shopping running. And what I would do is monitor the traffic from shopping and search and watch what they do on the site. So a lot of opti well, the main two sides of optimization nowadays are the ads, mm -hmm. also what's happening on the site. Yeah. So people drop out at the cart too often. Yeah. They reach a page and they disappear because it's not quite what they're after. Uh, and that traffic, because it's the most intentional, we want to watch that traffic a bit more. Yeah. What I would also do is run remarketing on Netter because it's the best place to run remarketing online. Okay. The ad is the biggest space we get online. Um, if we can find a relevant YouTube channel or YouTube presenters who reflect something about our pens, which we want to connect with so whether that's calligraphy or yeah. something else that we might want to connect to i think that'd be a great place to run some lead gen i would do the same on meta so facebook lead ads which in turn generate email for us that we can or sms that we can begin to nurture yeah. across time and then when we have a google shopping feed like i think one of the underutilized things online is a shopping feed because yeah. once we have one we can then take it to other places. Yeah. So all affiliate networks take a shopping feed. Okay. So a great place for us to try affiliate marketing is to just upload our shopping feed and let those stream onto third-party sites that are going to send traffic to our site and help our remarketing. Because really, a lot of the way we see external third-party marketing traffic in terms of pay-per-click is we can remarket to it. Right. And um, you had a, a really good interview with a, an influencer marketeer 
who was really asking everybody to see influencers as a storefront. Yeah. And I think that was a great phrase. Mm. Now, that's, that's also what a shopping feed allows us to do. We can go and be on our affiliate partner sites. Yeah. We can go to third-party sites. One of our clients um, put his shopping feed on DIY.com, which is owned by B&Q. Yeah. And that brought a whole new source of traffic onto his, his own website that generated sales, gave us traffic to remarket to, and just gave him more traffic in general. So in the beginning, with pay-per-click, we want to generate highly relevant traffic, yeah. watch what it does on our site, but we also want to use the assets we create for pay-per-click, the feed, the images, the videos, in as many places as we can, all within the budget that we have, sure. which is the top part. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So that's what I'll do. And I think every e-commerce site has to try and grab subscribers nowadays yeah. to make the most of that click that we just paid for. So if people aren't ready to buy, can we get them to sign up? Yeah. Can we do something to, to give us the opportunity to market to those people for the next six months or more? Uh, and, and that's how I would play that yeah. all in all. Top tip, top advice there. I love that um, getting the subscribers uh, you know the, the email addresses, especially, so you can re, retarget them, remarket them. Would that uh, those things you talked about—the Google Ads, the remarketing on Meta, YouTube channel lead gen, um, Meta lead ads, and distribution of your shopping feed—would um, that apply for, say, a digital product? So we get a lot of people listening to the show who are doing now digital products. You know, like the online courses or the. Um, you know, like the memberships, your fitness would be a classic one, you know, come join my fitness group and all that sort of stuff. Would that apply to those as well? It'd be slightly different. Okay. You know, so Google really does not want us to sell digital products through shopping feeds. Okay. People do find third party ways to, to make that happen. But, uh, but digital products is all usually need driven. So yeah. usually a digital product fixes a, a problem, a question, a element of training that we need so really we want to target search is our most important thing in terms of google ads youtube again can we find channels spaces that address the audience we're trying to reach to hit the same issues yeah uh, meta is a great place to sell things which are educational or or, or resolving a health issue if yeah. it happens to be that uh, and, and you just play it slightly without the shopping feed there the affiliate side is a bit tougher but mm. the influencer side is highly relevant because yeah. we do find lots of influencers pushing yeah you know, certain things certain things that we're trying to learn the one thing i missed out of the e-commerce side is amazon because amazon is such a huge huge part of the internet now you know they are actually oh, yeah. the biggest buyer of google ads so often our biggest competitor in google shopping can be our product on amazon <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah beggars belief but yeah no fair enough that makes a lot of sense so how do we how do we deal with that with the amazon side yeah yeah so you know amazon are buying google adwords a lot cheaper than i am i have no doubt um yeah. selling the same product competing for the the space how do i I guess if I'm an established brand, this could be a pro it's definitely been a problem for us in the past. You know, you kind of like, well, how do I 
how do I compete with that? Or how do I, um, what's our strategy for getting people to click us rather than Amazon, even though we're gonna pay more money, probably be slightly lower down. Uh, what What's some of your tips there? Well, well, first thing is to bid against them. Because you're, on your Amazon sale is going to cost you 15% or whatever their commission is. Yeah. So you have that budget to beat. Probably the most important thing is to have something that's different about the product purchase on your site to Amazon. You know, Amazon is tough to compete with yeah. on price. Often they are actually cheaper mm -hmm. than a lot of the same products on, on a company's site. But this is something else that we can offer, whether it's an additional freebie or something additional to that product yeah. itself, which is only available on the site. So we have to give it some kind of uniqueness. So then it's a real choice. Yeah. It's not just price. Yeah. And people really, you know, I would say a lot of consumers actually trust Amazon more than they do the M brand. Because mm -hmm. they, they they're tried and trusted. They yeah. know they're gonna get a refund, they're gonna be here tomorrow. Yeah. All these things are, are strengths, so we have to create something on our own side. Yeah, differentiate us. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, well, that was our strategy. Uh, you've got to, you've got to create a compelling difference, right? You've got to increase the value uh, in the mind of the perceived, uh, the perceived mind of the, the buyer. And so, it's interesting. All these things you now have to think about because uh, again, so, I'm going back to when it first started. So I just said it and forget it. But now it's it's. You've got to be on top of it a little bit, you know. You you've got to be watching this every day. You've got to be checking the budgets, the performance, what's working, what's not working. Plus, you've then got to stay on top of things like what the latest trends are. You know, um, where's all this sort of stuff coming out? What sort of some of the publications um, or feeds or sites you follow to sort of stay up to date with the whole thing? So on the on the Google ad side, there's a great American company called Solutions Eight. Mm -hmm. You might have heard of them. Yeah. Uh, there's a brilliant UK Google Ads guy called Ed Leak. So he has a Facebook group on Google Ads. He also has his own app, yeah. which, which can help you um, run your ads. And then a lot of the things I tend to stay ahead of outside of that, because I'm really a Google Ads guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of my team are more meta, more, more social media ads focused. Uh, so I tend to stay ahead of Google for heritage's sake, as yeah. much as keeping up with trends. But then I follow a lot of business blogs, a lot of business sites, which keeps me keeps my mind ahead of what's actually happening yeah. out there in the in the economic world. And my role these days is a lot about steering the company in terms of new things we bring through, what's happening in the landscape, where do we want to be, uh, and keeping ahead of that stuff. But I think Solutions Eight, Ed League, mm -hmm. great for Google Ads. Fantastic, watch this space. I've got one more question for you, um, Phil, because time has just flown by at 1,000 miles an hour. I, I'm, I'm just slowly working my way through the list. Um, we've talked again, we've talked about a, a strategy for e-commerce startups. You've talked about where some of the hotspots are, which if we're already doing well on Google, we should look at. Um, we've talked a little bit about digital products. So one person or one organization that I do want to touch on, um, partly because I serve on some boards, partly because I'm just genuinely interested, is charity. Now, um, Google have this system for charities, don't they, where you can get a $10,000 credit towards your ad spend every yeah. month. Yeah. 
Um, and that's only, as far as I understand, that could, that's only on the, it's only Google search ads. You, you, it's not to do with YouTube, it's nothing to do with Google um, Max and all that sort of stuff. It's just literally Google search ads you can spend up to $10,000 on. Have you had any experience with that? So if there's a charity listening, um, maybe maybe just explain what that is because not every charity knows about it. And then we'll talk a little bit about, for a few minutes, about how charities can exploit this. No, no problem. So the, the scheme is called Google Grants. And there's a page which I can supply you with, Matt, where you can make an application. And what Google will do is they'll look at your, your status as a charity. And mm -hmm. um, most of the time, they, they will award a grant. And that can be credited to an ad account for you to run search ads from. Uh, I think what a charity has to do is think about, in the same way we do in e-commerce, what do we want that ad spend to do? Yeah. Is it sponsors, volunteers, is it donations? And each of those different things that we want to happen, we need to make sure we have a proper landing page for. Mm -hmm. where, you know, where that spend can just disappear is if we just send people to the main site and not give them an intention. But uh, it's a good thing that Google do. They're giving out lots of those grants. Um, you know, we, we do look at those organizations will actually help them at no charge if they fit with something that we sit with too. Uh, and I think it's a good scheme. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really powerful. It's um, I, one organization I'm involved with is using it. They're probably spending about one to $2,000 of the $10,000 allowance. Um, part of that is because of, um, I think, effort for want of a better expression, because it's, it's a bit like running any ads campaign, I suppose. You've got to know what you're doing a little bit, because there are certain terms and conditions, like you have to have a certain engagement rate or something, as, as best I understand it. Um, where's, if someone's sitting in a charity and going, well, we'd love to get agency involved, but we've not got the budget for agency, unless they come across people mm. like yourself who, okay, you know, if they can, we'll do um, work voluntary. Where's a good place to learn the basics about that type of thing so they can maximize uh, the charity spend? Yep. So Google themselves have a lot of great training courses. So you can actually get a Google Ads certification. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's worth anyone involved in Google Ads, whether you run them yourself or you you manage someone else who does or an agency who does, yeah. to do that training. Yeah. I think if they did the Google search modules, Mm -hmm. they would have enough to start running their own ads. Okay. And then go at it from there. I think another thing for them to try, if they want someone else to run them, is to join some of the Facebook groups geared towards Google Ad Techniques. And there's often people on there who say, I, I just want to have a couple of trial clients, test my techniques out on, and see if I can help. Yeah, yeah. And that, for a charity... Can be Gold a great results. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Top tip. Loving that one. Uh, we're going to get into some of those Facebook groups for some of the charities. Uh, no doubt whatsoever. Um, that's fascinating. Um, uh, and just again, just worth pointing out, if you are part of a charity, there is Google Grants. It is something worth looking at. It does extend beyond just the Google Ads spend, like you get free Google accounts. So I know that the ones I'm involved with, for example, all the emails, the calendars, all that sort of stuff is not something that they charge you for. It is a great thing they do. Um, it is a bit of faff to get the account, but it's worth it in the long run if you get it, right? So 
Um, but I like this idea. I'm, my final question. I know I said that before, Phil, but this is this is genuinely my final question. Sure. Um, <laughs> would you recommend um, e-commerce entrepreneurs maybe who use agency um, mm. to do the Google AdWords certification just to give them that background knowledge? 100%. I think they should do Google Ads and Google Analytics. Okay. And those, you know, really what's helped us become a commission-based PPC partner is the data. Yeah. More than the ads themselves. So I think for every entrepreneur, knowing your data and your ability to look into it and manipulate it so you see what you want to see. Yeah. It's key. Yeah, that's fantastic. Commission-based you oh. agency. This is... Um, this intrigues me. Now, we'll, we'll talk about that because I want you to tell people how people reach you and you can talk about what you do because I think this is fascinating what you do. Traditionally, uh, agencies which I've worked with either have charged a flat fee or they charge a percent of ad spend, like 20%. So if you spend 10 grand on ads, they're going to charge you two grand. So your total spend is going to be the 12 plus, uh, sorry, the 10 plus the two, which is 12. Um, you work slightly differently, and, and this is quite unique, and I did want to give some time to this. So just explain what it is you do and why you have gone slightly bonkers with this whole thing. It is, could be bonkers. <laughs> we, we've been commission-based for about five years now, mm -hmm. and it was the advance in data tracking that made it an opportunity. I think that, you know, you've used, and I've used the word agency in our chat, but I, I hate using that word. You know, I've always wanted to be, with everything I've ever done, a partner it's how i describe it yeah so i want us to be on the same side of the fence whereas when you're charging a flat fee or you're charging a percentage of spend you're not on the same side of the fence in my opinion okay. there are still some great agencies who do that and if they're working for you brilliant i think that's that's fine but i want i want us to all work and benefit together when things go great and us all to work together and Look at what we're going to change when things are not performing too well. So we we want to be commission-based with every client we work with. There are times when we have to do something different for a short period. Mm -hmm. So when data is not there yeah. to base this off, or when it's a brand new company, mm -hmm. we'd know, we don't even know yet if this is going to work in the market, then we do charge, as a normal agency does, a flat fee for generally around 90 days. Mm -hmm. Then we want to go commission-based. Yeah, and if if we're growing, it might turn into a half. So it's half a fee yeah. plus an element of commission. But every client that we work well with is commission based. Yeah, that's what how we want to be. Yeah, and it works well. Yeah. it's been brilliant for us in some instances. It's taught us a lot. Yeah, means that we are more sales focused than mm -hmm. brand focused. So depending on what you want your company to be, mm -hmm. choose the right partner. But uh, you know it. It's a, it's what we what we become, and we we're tried and trusted in that in that area. We we've got to work with some amazing companies because we have that approach, mm. and uh, and it's you know we don't tie anyone to long contracts, so mm. people can try it, see if it works out. If it doesn't, why? Yeah. If it does work out, everyone's happy. Everyone's a winner. No, I love that. I love that that model, and I love that idea, and uh, it's 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 wonderful. So, Phil, listen, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to find out more about what you're doing, or want to get in touch with you about maybe how you can help them, what's the best way to do that? No problem. So you can look at our site, positivesparks.com. Uh, all the contact forms there will come to 
me at the end, we'll go through the great team we have and then come to me. Uh, very active on LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out LinkedIn, direct message me if you want, mention the podcast and I'll know that you've, you've come from this chat I've had with Matt. There's two things we do which are my interest people. One is a free audit mm-hmm. of current ad status and accounts. And the second one is our tracking. If you want to try our tracking setup and you run an e-commerce store on Shopify or WooCommerce, then you're welcome to try that for 30 mm-hmm. days and see if it shows you something that you didn't see before. Love to hear from people. It's always fun to chat like this, Matt. So yeah, anyone yeah. who's in the digital space, you always have a fun chat with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Phil, listen, uh, genuinely, man, I, I, I'm always surprised how quickly time goes, but on this occasion, I'm even more surprised. And um, just really appreciate you coming on. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for sharing the, the wisdom and the insights. And uh, I think we should probably get you back on again at some point in the future, just to give us an update on the industry. And I can ask you all the questions I didn't get to ask you. Uh, but, um, but yeah, Phil, listen, appreciate it, man. Uh, absolute legend. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, what a great conversation. Huge thanks again to Phil for joining me today. And in fact, I've started doing this. Huge round of applause. Yes, go for it. Uh, <laughs> also, big shout out to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Remember to check them out. Uh, think about come join the membership. It's not actually that expensive. Uh, ecommercecohort.com for more information. And of course, be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today. Let me be the first person to tell you, uh, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Phil's got to bear it. I've got to bear it. You've got to bear it as well. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is the wonderful Sadaf Bainon and Tanya Hutzelak. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website ecommercepodcast.net. So that's it from me. That's it from Phil. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.